listening to the Alan Carter Show on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Oh my goodness, is this thing on? Is this is this microphone recording? Are there any cameras nearby? Is this a bad time to gossip about my colleagues? Is this a bad time to say something nasty about, I don't know, the President of the United States? Is this a bad time to say that? Is it on? Is this on? Uh-oh. Oh, no. Play that audio Two-faced. for me. Oh, thank you. Two-Faced. Play the audio. This is the party. This is the party that everybody is talking about. The man with two faces. <laughs> Just play the Trudeau. Number two. There we go. Thank you. All right. So I want to set the scene for you here. Everybody's wearing fancy tie. Everybody's joshing around. Cocktails. And there's Justin Trudeau. He's hanging there with the president of France. He's there with the Prime Minister of England. He's jibber-jabbering. Just keep, hit it again. I just want to give people the, the background. And then it, this is what you hear him say in the background. Uh, he was late because he takes a 40-minute press conference off the top. That's what Justin Trudeau says. Then he says, you just watch this team's jaws drop to the floor. Trudeau appears to say at one point, it's not clear though what team he's talking about or who is it that he is talking about. Well, I'll tell you what, Donald Trump has an idea who he's talking about. He thinks he's talking about him. And Mr. Trump, the president of the United States, was asked about that. And here is the clip of the day. Did you have a video of uh, Prime Minister Trudeau talking about you last night? Well, he's two-faced. Do you think that Germany's too nice? And honestly, with Trudeau, he's a nice guy. I I find him to be a very nice guy. He's a nice guy, but he's two-faced. Nice guy. Two faces. All right, let's get back to you, Justin Trudeau. I'm thinking maybe a costume would be a good idea here. Hit the tickle trunk, folks. What do you got in there? Maybe something in a Batman villain? Two-Face. Yes, it's Two-Face Trudeau. Harvey Dent, is that you? Here is Justin Trudeau responding. Boy, is this ever awkward. What value did you see for Canada in talking about President Trump behind his back that way? I think uh, we recognize that uh, there are, uh, as we talk to uh, G7 leaders, an interest in where the next G7 uh, meeting is going to be. Uh, And I was pleased to share with them uh, the story of how that came about, that we are uh, going to be gathering, apparently, in uh, Camp David in, uh, in uh, in the coming year for the G7 meeting. Oh, we're going to Camp David! Oh, everybody! Oh! I got some great gossip. Okay, that is weak. That is very, very weak. Ain't nobody believing that. That that's the what man you're with about. two faces. That's who you are. You're a man with two faces. Now Bojo was there, as I mentioned, Boris Johnson. Hey, Bojo, were you guys all mocking the Donald? Yeah, that's complete nonsense. Uh, and I, I, I don't know where that's come from. I. I, I think maybe we all know where that came from. It, it came from the microphone that picked up what Justin Trudeau was saying. That's where it came from. It, it's just video evidence. I don't know what you're talking about. Man, that is awkward. All right, next, in our next half hour, we are going to talk a lot more about this. We got Redmond Shannon on the line. He is in England covering the NATO conference. We are going to talk about what this means for bilateral relations with the United States. We're going to hear from Jagmeet Singh, who has some pithy comments about when it is appropriate to criticize Donald Trump and when it is not appropriate to be criticizing Donald Trump. Man, 
I, I got up this morning. I, I did. I, I this one I didn't see coming. I thought I'd be talking about strikes all day, but no. I thought I'd be talking about the auditor all day. No, I'm talking about Two Face Trudeau. Oh boy. All right. Well, let's get to that high school walkout to the malls, shall we? Because that's where the high school kids are going to be today. They're going to be at the malls. And this is going to be awkward as well. They may be walking into their teachers. Oh, hey. Oh, hey, Mrs. Smith. I didn't know you shopped at Aritzia, too. Because, you know, teachers might have been on the picket lines this morning, but a lot of those picket lines are finished. So, you know, I can't blame teachers for saying, well, I'm going to get out and get ahead on the uh, on the old Christmas shopping. It's a Wednesday. Going to hit the malls. Sure, sure, you know, pickets started the day. Now, here is Leslie Wolf, who is president of OSSTF in Toronto, talking about where all those pickets were. We have one at each high school and one at each of the main board offices, uh, as well as one at the Ontario Public School Boards Association and one at Doug Ford's office. So teachers are out there. They got their placards. There's the honking, the so on and so forth. Everything sort of wraps up at the end of the day. This is a one-day deal. Keep in mind now that if the union wants to do more labor action, more job action, they have to give another five-day notice. So this is it for now. We already have the work-to-rule in place. But in terms of further walkouts, we still have to have a five-day notice. And that also includes the Elementary Teachers Federation of Ontario. So the elementary teachers, if you're worried about that, if you're worried about your kids in, in younger school, in younger grades, you're not going to get hit with a walkout because there is actually legislation in place that says in Ontario you got to give five days' notice on the behalf of teachers and of unions in the education sector before you conduct a walkout. Here is Harvey Bischoff. Now, he is head of the Secondary School uh, Teachers Federation, so the head of the union, uh, talking about the fact that, hey, we're ready to negotiate on behalf of teachers, but where are the proposals from the government? So we spent four days at the hotel starting Saturday morning up until midnight last night. Uh, and during that time, the government brought forward not a single new proposal. Half hour face-to-face meetings and not one proposal brought forward. You know what that is? That's two-faced is what it is. It's two faces. Two-faced. <laughs> Um, now, this is always interesting when we get into these kind of things in the education file, because everybody says they're in it for the kids. Everybody's in it for the kids. Nobody's in it for themselves. Nope. Teachers aren't in it for themselves. Nope. Union's not in it to bolster their membership or get their, you know, get more things for their members. Nope. Uh, the government, well, they're, they're in it for the kids, Right. Right, Education Minister Stephen Lachey? I get the teachers' union leadership are going to fight for better entitlements for their workers, but I'm fighting for students. Two million young people are demanding that I be fair to our educators, but also put the priority on our kids. And I'd rather a deal that gets more ancillary, new investment in the front of class for math support, mental health, areas of priority that actually matter to the future of our country, uh, whereas they're fighting for more uh, for more compensation for themselves. Stephen Lecce, the education minister, they're saying that the province, that the minister of education is in it for the kids. I'm wondering if you think he might be, he might be, I don't know, two-faced? I don't know. Now listen, before we move on from the one-day strike, I, I want to talk to parents in the Ottawa area who are extra grumpy this morning. I don't know if you saw this, but... The Ottawa School Board decided, for whatever reason, to send out robocalls 
to inform parents of a one-day strike, and they sent that out at 12.30 a.m. So thanks for that. You're upset when people, you know, call police and call 911 because of an Amber Alert. That's a 911 call right there. Not for the Amber Alert, but I'm calling 911 to say the Ottawa School Board are jerks for interrupting my sleep if I'm a parent in that area. So they have actually issued now an apology. Sorry. Sorry about waking you up. All right, one more thing going on right now. This is at Queen's Park. Let's go live to it, shall we? This is the Auditor General, Bonnie Lissick, talking about her annual report. Let's listen in. Bonnie? found that the Ministry of the Environment, Conservation and Parks, which has primary responsibility for protecting the environment in Ontario, needs to do more to lead by example in complying with the EBR. Oh, drop the hammer. Chapter 3 reports on the province's plan to address climate change and analyzes the information... Let's just let her talk in the background as I give you a bit of context here. What what this is, is an annual report by the Auditor General where they go through the Auditor's Office, an independent officer of the legislature, and they go through a number of uh, audits where they look into a bunch of different things. And there's a lot of headlines that are coming out about this today. And right now, Bonnie Lissick, who is an accountant and is as exciting as you would imagine accountants would be, holds this news conference and then she reads this long preamble here. Uh, and then eventually we get to questions. And this is the fun part for journalists, because there's a lot of good stuff in here. But trying to get Bonnie Lissick to say anything that is usable as a clip on television is almost impossible. Because basically you're looking for her to say something pithy in about 15 seconds. That ain't going to happen. So what will happen over the next maybe 90 minutes or so is reporters will just continually ask her the same question again and again and again in the hopes that they can get something they can use tonight on the news. I'll tell you what the headline is here, though. The headline is that the province's plan to reduce greenhouse gas emissions is not supported by sound evidence. And according to Bonnie Lissick, if adjustments are not made, she says Ontario is going to miss key targets. And Lissick also found that the government has breached Ontario's Environmental Bill of Rights because it repealed cap-and-trade without public consultations, which is required by the Act, that there should be more public input. So, in other words, you know, even though Doug Ford ran on a platform of canceling cap-and-trade and won a giant majority, he still needed to actually consult with Ontarians before going ahead. Doesn't matter what they say, you just got to consult with them. I'm a little distracted. I'm checking TikTok right now because all of the high school students in this province, of course, are not in school. So TikTok is going mad. It's going crazy. Everybody's on the TikTok. They're TikToking. I don't know what the verb is for that. TikTok, by the way, is a social media platform that you don't understand because you're too old. That's all you need to know about that. It's going on in Hamilton right now. We have a developing situation where police had actually... Uh, surrounded a Hamilton home. A suspect was barricaded inside the home. A child has been taken to hospital. Morgan Campbell is standing by with more details on what's going on there. Morgan, hello. Hey, Alan. Actually, uh, all of this has just really started unfolding, I'd say, within the last hour. Uh, police, um, that standoff started at 3, 3.30 in the morning. At about 11.30, 11.40, um, they entered the home and uh, took 
a male suspect out, uh, confirming uh, via Twitter that it was a 16-year-old boy. And what do we know about the injuries to the child? You know, all we know at this point in time is paramedics have said that uh, they were traumatic injuries. Police now saying to us that the the child is in stable condition, non-life-threatening injuries, was treated in hospital. They're also not saying much about the relationship between you know, the child and the 16-year-old. We are expecting an update from uh, Hamilton Police at 12.30, and we're hoping that they can shed some lights on, on some of these uh, questions that are that are still kind of lingering. Considering that this is a 16-year-old, so they already have the uh, youth justice system involved in terms of what police can and cannot say, and then I already w- watched your interview with the Hamilton Police about an hour or so ago, Morgan, and it is always so frustrating in these cases because the police just don't say anything. You know, and and I think you have to understand why certain you know why certain things are are in place. But I think this whole area, Alan, has been closed since three thirty in the morning. Countless people coming up to me all morning asking what's going on. Um, very very busy stretch of road. A lot of businesses. Um, and when you see a, a large police presence, uh, they really pulled out all the stops, rightfully so. Um, there, there are a lot of questions from, from community members. Yeah, I, I've experienced this so many times when you're on a scene like that and, and police are so reluctant and it's so very frustrating uh, as a member of the media, as a journalist, because your job is to try and get the information out to people. And people will just come up to you and like say, well, what's going on? It's like, well, I, the police won't tell us anything. And I think there is a systemic reluctance on the part of the police to share information that in no way would jeopardize their investigation, but would help calm fears and just help get information to the public in a more timely manner. You know, uh, the the famous line is, you know, we can't answer that to protect the integrity of our investigation. That's that's kind of the buzz phrase, right? Protect the the uh, the integrity of the investigation, um, which which I mean, you you then have to wait until the court process to unfold. Unfold. In my previous job, I used to cover a lot of court and crime, and as you're well aware, Alan, uh, that can sometimes be years before anything. Um, any real details actually are able to be released, right? Absolutely, and it's so frustrating. Morgan, just a final question for you. Uh, has the police presence there and, and all of the barricades and all of that, has that lifted now? Is that all gone in Hamilton? Yeah, so you have uh, you have access to, uh, to, the, to the area now. Police are still at the house. Some of the tactical trucks and whatnot just, uh, just left, um, and uh, no more paramedics are gone as well. Um, they clearly have to, to go on to the next stage of their investigation right now, Alan. I'm sure they're inside the house combing it for evidence, trying to piece together what exactly transpired and what went wrong. Morgan Campbell is a global news reporter who is reporting from Hamilton today. Morgan, thank you so much for being on the program as always. Thank you, Alan. The Toronto District School Board has shocked many parents by suddenly introducing thousands of dollars in fees for students who enroll in specialized international baccalaureate programs. Now, the IB program, as it's known, is an enriched academic stream that aims to develop inquiring, knowledgeable, and caring young people who better, who are 
able to b- create a better and more peaceful world. That's according to the mission statement for the IB program. Now, it's usually offered at private schools or for a fee by public school boards, but for years the TDSB has been offering the programs for free at six Toronto schools. Now, the TDSB has said that last year alone it paid about $850,000 to have this program for 600 students. That is now going to change. TDSB has now announced that starting in 2020-2021, there will be a $3,000 fee for the program, $1,500 in grade 11, and another $1,500 for grade 12. What does all of that mean for students? And certainly, what does that mean for students of low-income families? Sistema Toronto is a nonprofit organization that provides musical and intellectual opportunities to children in vulnerable communities. And Christy Gray is the executive director of Sistema and joins me on the line. Hi, Christy. Hi there. How is this change in terms of fees, this $3,000 fee, going to impact kids in lower-income families? You know, for kids in low-income families, it will just make the program completely inaccessible. Um, The $3,000 fee is just not something that low-income families could ever afford to pay. Some parents and and some taxpayers may say, well, this is an enriched program and it should be fee-for-service. Why is the TDSB spending $850,000 a year on it in the first place? Yeah, I mean, especially for kids living in poverty, um, a great education is a pathway out of that cycle of poverty. Um, And, you know, wealthier students would potentially have that pathway anyway, but for lower-income students, they don't have that pathway to a better education other than through public school. And so, especially, I would argue, especially in a public school environment, you would really want to see programs like the IB program or other academic-enriched programs for kids living um, in low-income families and priority neighborhoods so that they have access to that kind of higher education that will push them forward into post-secondary education. On a day when we have a one-day walkout of high school teachers and criticism of the Ford government for cutting back uh, funding to uh, education sector, when the TDSB has to tally up where it spends the money, you believe that uh, that $850,000 a year is best spent on keeping the IB program free? Yeah, I mean, listen, the TDSB is in a really tight position right now because so much of their funding has been cut um, I know that they're really struggling. Many many organizations are struggling because of funding cuts, and I know that TDSB is no exception. I know that they're looking for ways um, to make the system more equitable. Um, I know that they're doing their best, but, you know, really I think that the kids who get hurt the most by the, these cuts are the kids living in these lower-income um, neighborhoods, and it would really just be so crushing for these families to lose this opportunity. Christy Gray is Executive Director of Sistema Toronto, talking about the change from the TDSB now charging, beginning in 2020 to 2021, now charging for the International Baccalaureate Program. Thank you so much for being on the program, Christy. Thanks for having me, Alan. I want to take us back to Queen's Park real quickly because there are questions being asked right now in the media studio of the Auditor General. Let's take that. So no, for the first question, no, we don't enforce anything. We, um, you know, we do the audit work and we provide recommendations. I'd recommend those recommendations are picked up and implemented. So, and we make the, uh, the legislature aware of our findings and the public aware. 
um, with respect to the report, with respect to we're a different animal um, than the office of the owner. So that is the auditor general, Bonnie Lissick, as we just sort of talked her down a little bit. She is talking about her annual report, which is always big news here in Ontario. And the headline I can tell you coming out of the report this year is that Ontario is likely to miss its greenhouse gas emission target and that the province's plan is not supported by sound evidence. Plus, on top of all of that, it appears that the Ford government violated Ontario's Environmental Bill of Rights by cancelling cap-and-trade without any kind of public consultation. What that means going forward, we're going to dig into that a little bit later on, and that is a story that will reverberate throughout the course of the day. Hi, welcome to the party. Hi, how you doing? Ah, oh, get yourself a glass of shard. It's particularly oaky. It's lovely. Oh, it's so good when we can all get together, us world leaders here at this NATO summit. Hmm. You know what? This wine pairs beautifully with shoe leather, especially when you shove your foot right in your mouth when you're on camera and you don't know it. Welcome back to the program. That, of course, is making news all around the world. What it was that Justin Trudeau had to say, apparently, about Donald Trump. He made some comments about, well, that there had been a press conference suddenly, and that Trump's team, their jaw hit the floor, and then, well, the president was asked about it. And what did he have to say about his northern neighbor? Have you have a video of uh, Prime Minister Trudeau talking about you last night? Well, he's too fast. Do you think that Germany is too naive? And honestly, with Trudeau, he's a nice guy. I, I find him to be a very nice guy. But, you know, the truth is that uh, I called him out on the fact that he's not paying 2%. And I guess he's not very happy about it. I mean, you were there. A couple of you were there. And uh, he's not paying 2%. And he should be paying 2%. It's Canada. They have money. And he should cash. be paying 2%. So I called him out on that, and I'm sure he wasn't happy about it, but that's the way it is. Look, I'm representing the U.S., and he should be paying more than he's paying, and he understands it. So I can imagine I can imagine he's not that happy, but that's the way it is. That is Donald Trump talking about what Justin Trudeau was caught on camera saying about him uh, at this NATO summit, and the president has now canceled a press conference and is returning to Washington. Redmond Shannon is our reporter who is covering this for us for Global News. Redmond, welcome to the program. Hello, Alan. You must be disappointed that there's no press conference with POTUS now. <laughs> well, uh, yes and no, I suppose. Uh, there's always something to chew over when Donald Trump speaks, no matter what he speaks about. We all know that. Everybody knows that all around the world. And uh, this has visited us in the UK again today with a definite Canadian flavor given what happened last night. And it really, uh, it was sort of predictable. I think uh, Justin Trudeau's communications team were no doubt on Twitter all morning waiting to see what dropped from Donald Trump's Twitter account. And in the end, it didn't come from there. It came from the press conference when um, uh, President Trump sat down beside uh, uh, Chancellor Angela Merkel of Germany. He was asked about this and uh, we heard just there what he had to say. 
you know, saying good and bad things in the one breath that, uh, you know, he's a nice guy, but obviously he's uh, two-faced is the term he used. And it doesn't look good. It doesn't uh, do much for this supposed celebration of 70 years of NATO that it is being overshadowed by this and what happened uh, last night in particular, the fallout from that. But I think one thing that's interesting is that we saw Boris Johnson and Emmanuel Macron in that huddle of leaders, uh, along with Princess Anne last night, speaking too. But they were lucky insofar as their mouths were either obscured or facing away from the camera. Justin Trudeau was facing directly toward the camera. I don't know how far away that was. But that's why his words were picked up. If the camera were the other way, well, maybe it'd have picked up what Emmanuel Macron said. But he's got a, gotten away with it. Justin Trudeau has definitely not done so. Two-faced. Now, here is I just I want to play this for you because yeah. this is now the audio. This is just sort of the, the ambience. Now, take me to this room last night. Where yeah, is very, this? Yeah, and, it's an and who's who, who's filming this? This is filmed by what they call a pool camera. So anyone in the, in the sort of news business will know when there's a big uh, diplomatic event, all the news outlets can't go there because it would be, well, it would be like a, um, the old days of Rob Ford pressers in Toronto City Hall. It would be too much. So you just get one assigned broadcaster to go there with one camera as the pool camera and film the event, wallpaper it, not, cl- not hearing what anyone says. But there is always a camera microphone on top of the camera that can pick up stuff from a distance. And that's what was happening there. So they were just um, filming it for wallpaper to show that these leaders are having a nice time chatting to each other. But the microphone picked it up. And I think originally it was uh, the CBC's Power and Politics program that decided to get a lip reader onto this. And everybody followed suit um, because they saw Justin Trudeau, what he was saying was pretty much decipherable. And that is what happened. They all the leaders would have known probably that they were being filmed, but probably didn't think that any of their words would be heard in this big ballroom type affair in Buckingham Palace. I'm speaking with Redmond Shannon. Sorry, pardon, pardon me to interrupt, Redmond. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm speaking with Redmond Shannon, who is covering the NATO summit. And what I have noticed online is, and it's kind of been going around this this talk that this is somehow Russia involved in that. Have you have you seen that? <laughs> I've seen a lot today, but I haven't seen that one. Yeah, the, 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 uh, Russia, but the yeah. claim that it was it was the Russians that were you know trying to drive a wedge. But there is no, there's nothing no. to that. No, there's the pool camera would always be there. Cameras, television cameras have a mic that sits on top of them that will always be on to pick up ambient noise. So, and then unless the uh, CBC's Power and Politics program has a spy in there, no, I don't think so. Um, I pretty much believe it was just a Canadian journalist at at that program who probably said, we need to find out what exactly he said there. And now we know. What goes on now, now that the president has decided to leave? Is there anything left at NATO? Well, it's it's pretty much wrapping up now. So this um, NATO meeting, it's not, not even a summit, it's a meeting, more sort of a celebration of the 70th anniversary, took place uh, about 50 kilometers north of London, um, near the town of Watford at a conference center um, to for for uh, for security reasons, it was a little bit out of London, and uh, it's sort of wrapping up now. So mostly, there, some of the leaders will be doing their press and media events to wrap up before they all head away as well. Uh, I, all the any of the the 
the, the bilateral meetings, many of them will have happened by now. So I think it has wrapped up and uh, Donald Trump is getting out of there earlier than he would have or earlier than he had planned to do so, saying that um, there have been enough news conferences, according to him. And uh, I suppose he did all his speaking in the first one. I'm not sure if any of his aides told him he's done enough talking himself, but I, I doubt he would listen. But he's uh, on the way out of London. Um, and uh, are, as are the other 28 NATO leaders as well. So uh, it, it probably this this supposed celebration of NATO overshadowed by a, uh, some very serious matters, not least uh, Turkey's involvement in Syria and Turkey's threat to other NATO members that it won't support other NATO initiatives. Uh, far more important, but completely overshadowed now by this, both in Canada, in the US and, and here in the UK as well. Top of many uh, news websites and news programs here, too. No kidding. Redmond Shannon is with Global National. Always great to have you on the program. Thank you so much, Redmond. Thanks, Alan. Have a good day. Bye. So all of these serious things that we're talking about, you know, the defense of Europe and all the re- Ukraine and Turkey and all the rest, and what do we get from it? The man with two faces. Yikes. Let's check traffic, shall we? Welcome back to the program. What is on your Christmas wish list? A little tech, maybe? Maybe a new TV? I got my eye on a new TV because, you know, mine only takes up a third of the wall, so I need to have at least half of the wall taken up. I, I have, I, I feel like there's a gap in TVs between myself and my family and my friends. They have larger televisions, and I can't let that stand. So I'm thinking of getting myself one of these smart TVs, you see. Except for... Tech experts are now warning that these new generation, this new generation of TVs, hello, yes, and this this next, this is Jason Chapman is uh, a big uh, poobah here, big boss man. You just started, are you getting a TV? You just decided to water into my show? Don't don't pull anything of mine down here. Listen to Alan, this. Alan, please I stop crying. To, I, I want you to listen to this. Would you buy a new smart TV after hearing this? It's becoming increasingly difficult to find a TV that doesn't have at least some smart capabilities. With voice and gesture control, the new Samsung smart TV is designed. But tech to specialists in law enforcement smarts. and the private sector warn that internet connectivity could give cyber criminals a new pathway into your home. Best advice, don't use the factory default password and keep the software updated on your new smart TV and the router that it's connected to. Jim Ryan, ABC News. How's about that for terrifying? Jason Chapman is an executive producer here and has just decided to just jump into my program. I don't know. Are you? What do you think? Would you, would you get one of these smart TVs? Are you worried about that kind of thing? Right. All right funny. Now, Jason has a young child, so he's going to be terrified when I tell him about this next thing. The average family, just be quiet, because my still my program. Okay. The average family, including yours, is going to have to pay $487 more a year on groceries beginning next year. That is according to an annual food price report. 
Unexpected snowstorms, droughts and other weather events have impacted crops and food prices in the past. But researchers from the University of Guelph say that climate change is the big cause for 2020. The report calls the impact of changing weather patterns on our food systems the elephant in the room. Next year, researchers are expecting price increases in all eight food categories they track, with the biggest jump, 4 to 6 percent, in meat. Don Kelly, the Canadian Press. Wait, meat is going to get that much more expensive? You know what we're going to have to do? We're going to have to eat the elephant in the room now. That's what we'll have to do. <laughs> All right, let's get back to the big story of the day. Global Nationals' Mike LeCouture here with a breakdown of what happened at this NATO meeting where Justin Trudeau managed to get himself caught on camera mocking the president. The man with two faces. Mocking, mocking the President of the United States. Canada-U.S. relations are once again in the spotlight as President Donald Trump called Prime Minister Justin Trudeau two-faced. The comments came after the President learned a video from Tuesday night showing Trudeau in a group with French President Emmanuel Macron and British Prime Minister Boris Johnson, along with other dignitaries at Buckingham Palace. No one mentions the U.S. President by name, but it seems the group is commiserating about their meetings with Donald Trump earlier on Tuesday. Today, Trump added that he thinks Trudeau is a nice guy, but he believes the Prime Minister wasn't happy because he called out Canada for not meeting its NATO goal of spending 2% of GDP on defense. Trudeau responded by saying the relationship between the two countries goes beyond the leaders, adding one lesson he takes away from this is to keep the focus on the substantive issues that were discussed at the meetings. Mike LeCouture, Global News, Watford, England. All right, so there's the background, but I want to play it for you because it's important that you hear it. Here again is the actual two-faced comment from Donald Trump. Did you have a video of uh, Prime Minister Trudeau talking about you last night? Well, he's two-faced. Do you think that Germany's too nice? And honestly, with Trudeau, he's a nice guy. I, I find nice him to be guy. a very nice guy. He's a nice guy. He's a bit Harvey Dent. He's two-faced. All right. Justin, you got some splaining to do. Well, when you told uh, President Macron and Prime Minister Johnson that you saw Trump's team of advisors' jaws drop yesterday, what were you referring to? What was it that caused that surprise uh, among them? We were all uh, surprised and I think pleased to learn that the next G7 will be uh, at Camp David. Uh, I think that was an unscheduled announcement and uh, uh, I think everyone's team, uh, every different leader has teams who every now and then uh, have uh, their jaws drop at uh, unscheduled surprises like uh, that video itself, for example. More like when, you know, your high school yearbook photo came out and your comms team, all of their jaws dropped. Is that what you mean by that? Is that what you're talking about? Man, that is weak. Here's Jugmeet Singh in Ottawa responding to this two-faced Trudeau gaffe. There are many things to criticize Mr. Trump on, but making someone, making the Prime Minister late to a cocktail party is not one. Yeah, no kidding. Now, here is more of Justin Trudeau responding to all of this and trying to smooth things out. Do as I, what I call the dig dug. You ever do this where you say something dumb and then you try and get yourself out of it and you just dig yourself in deeper? Here is Justin Trudeau with his dig dug. I think people know that the relationship between Canada and the United States is uh, deep and goes far beyond the relationship between a Prime Minister and a President. Uh, although I will say, as you all know, we have a, a very good and constructive relationship between me and the President. 
So, there we go. Now let's move on to number uh, P02 here. We're skipping for it because I want to go to this one. This is where Trudeau now tries to bring things back to NATO. I'm pleased to announce that Canada is committing six additional fighter aircraft and an additional frigate to the NATO Readiness Initiative. This major contribution is another example of Canada's unwavering support for NATO and for the collective security of the alliance. Woo! Six planes and a frigate! Wow! That'll show them, Ruskies. Huh? Now, in between all the headline-grabbing spats, NATO members have reaffirmed their declaration committing their countries to to collective defense. That's what NATO is about in the first place. You do recall that the reason we had this was the Cold War. Now, it affirms the solemn commitment that, quote, an attack against one ally should be considered an attack against us all. Here is the Secretary General of NATO saying the organization remains United. Whatever our differences, we will continue to unite around our core task to defend one another, all for one and one for all. <laughs> oh, that is so good. I mean, normally we would just be, I, I was going to talk to a guy about defense spending. I was actually going to do that. But now, no, we have this whole two faced thing, and that is not going to go away. Let's go back to Queen's Park and Bonnie Lissick, shall we? The Auditor General speaking Ministry's at... Ministry's estimate column was what was um, oh, yeah. done when the Bring draft... It. The, Bring the, it, Auditor. I'm calling it a draft now. When the plan was prepared, the second column is my staff asked DAF to rerun the model. And since we got new numbers, uh, every time you rerun... The reason we're listening model, to this, this is the Auditor General's annual report, and she is giving her in-depth press model, conference at numbers, Queen's so Park where she talks be, about this, this, like this report where she delves into a whole bunch of different things. And it's always, you know, headline-grabbing. And the big headline, of course, today is that the Ford government's... Uh, promise to meet greenhouse gas emission targets, that there's no evidence that they will be able to do that, and they perhaps broke the Environmental Bill of Rights by not consulting with Ontarians before ca- cancelling cap and trade. But then I got, there's a couple of other ones here that I really liked, that there's so many headlines here. How's about this one? Uh, Bonnie Lissick, this, I take this from the Canadian Press that filed this just a few moments ago. Bonnie Lissick's annual report looked at a number of aspects of the justice system including criminal and family courts, and also coroner operations. The coroners. Now, what Ms. Lissick found is that some of the highest billing coroners, who are also physicians, perform death investigations on their own patients. That doesn't seem right. The report also says that the office of the chief coroner doesn't have procedures for inventories of bodies. And that has led to some being found in the wrong cooler. I'm sorry, but this isn't my body. This isn't the body you're looking for. Well, that'll continue to reverberate throughout the course of the day. Stay with Global News for more on that. Our very own Travis Danraj was in the lockup this morning. This is what they do is they they take you and they put you in a room and then they give you the report for a couple of hours and some nice soft cookies to eat and then you pour over the thing. And now what's happening, you just heard playing live, is the auditors answering questions from reporters. Can we take back to that? And the filling of an order. So they did experience that right from day one. 
Um, it took a few um, while before they worked their way through the accounting on it. So but, it takes um, a little bit of weeding through to actually get to something interesting. But that's what Travis is going to do tonight. And then after the uh, auditor is done, the government will respond to this. Then the opposition will come out and say this is the worst thing that has ever happened to the province in the history of mankind. And then it all shakes down. And what's beautiful about this is as this is happening, just outside this where she's speaking right now, there are often children's choirs that perform Christmas carols at Queen's Park. because So then you'll have this weird justification, real juxtaposition, pardon me, of the opposition saying, this, is, this government is corrupt, or whatever it is, and then you, hallelujah, in the background from kids. It's wonderful. It is the most wonderful time of the year for political wonks like me. Thanks so much for spending your hour with me.